It says um, in Hebrews chapter 8, the writer quotes a famous verse from Jeremiah, which is God's promise of a new covenant. And he writes from Jeremiah, it says, The day is coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Judah and the house of Israel, it will not be like the first covenant which I made with them, a covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them. This is the covenant that I will make with them in those days. I will put my Torah, my law, on their hearts. No more will people need to ask each other, show me the Lord, tell me about the Lord. For from the least to the greatest, all will know me, and I will remember their sins no more. The writer of Hebrews goes on to say, if he's making a new covenant, that makes the old one obsolete. And what is obsolete and growing old is soon to disappear. Does he not write that? So what did he mean by that, and what is going away? Now, let me dispel a misconception very often, especially in the church world. It's, it's thought that what he's speaking about is the law of Moses altogether. That cannot be. He cannot be talking about the Torah becoming obsolete and going away and becoming old and soon to disappear. How can it not be that? Because he just went through reading the new, the new Covenant verses, which says, this is the New Covenant, I put my Torah on in your heart. So what he is referring to is the Levitical priesthood, the temple, the temple service, the priesthood, all that goes with that. That is the context of the preceding chapter. It's the context of the subsequent chapter. It's the context of the chapter after that. That's what he's talking about. That the Levitical priesthood, that the priesthood that we're reading about in the Torah portions is going away. This is why I'm not a believer, as I said last week, that there's going to be a third temple like Judaism believes. So our Jewish brothers and sisters, most especially our Orthodox Jewish brothers and sisters, believe that the temple is going to be rebuilt in Jerusalem and the Sons of Aaron, the Kohanim, will be reinstated as priests, and that whole thing is going to start again. I don't think so. I don't. But I always say, anything about the future, I reserve the right to be wrong. But I don't think so, because it says what is, it's becoming obsolete and soon to pass away. Why is it obsolete and soon to pass away? Because as it says, it was replaced with a greater covenant. A greater thing. The chapter prior to this talks about Malkitzedek. Melchizedek. And it's one of my favorite 
chapters in Scripture because the writer of Hebrews goes into amazing revelation in the Hebrew. I mean, he talks about Malkitzedek. Do we know the, this character, Melchizedek? Malkitzedek. He makes his appearance with Abraham after there was a battle, and he's a king. And the he, book of Hebrews says he's king, as it says in the book of Genesis, he's king of Salem which in Hebrew is shalem, which is the same word as shalom. So in reality, he is king of peace. Yet his name is Malkitzedek. Do you know what that means in Hebrew? King of righteousness. So here is this one, this king of righteousness, king of peace. Yet he was a priest, and such a great priest, it says that Abraham, from whom the promise of the Aaronic priesthood came through, actually tied to this guy and gave him a tenth, which shows that he's even greater than Abraham. And he's king and he's priest, and this whole concept of a king being a king and being a priest is something that's actually foreign to Torah. Because in Torah, the priesthood comes from Aaron, who comes from the tribe of Levi. And the kings come from the tribe of Judah. So according to Torah, kings and priests don't necessarily meet up. But here is this one who's king of Shalom, Salem, Shalem, and king of righteousness as per his name. And he is a priest of El Elyon, Most High God. He then goes on to quote King David from the Psalm, Psalm 110, that says, You are a priest forever. Ata Kohen Leolam. In the order of Melchizedek, Al Devarti Malkitzedek. Susie loves it when I quote the Hebrew like that. <laughs> and if she loves it, I love it. If she loves it, I'm going to keep doing it. Because that's really all I care about. <laughs> so, Ata Kohen Leolam Al Devarti Malkitzedek. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Malkitzedek. So here's this prophecy You are a king forever in the order, you are a priest forever. In the order of this king, Malkitzedek. So it's a prophecy that the king and the priest are going to come together. And that's what happens with Yeshua. He is both king and priest. As it finishes that chapter, it says, I tell you this to tell you this. And it goes through the, the, the Jeremiah 31, the, the new covenant. And says what is old is going to pass away. It then continues on. It talks about how, how the priest goes in only once a year on Yom Kippur. But Yeshua went in once for all time. Doesn't have to go in again. Chapter 10 talks about the, the sacrificial system. And how sacrifices need to be kept going and going and brought and brought and brought. But with Yeshua, he's the sacrifice once for all time. So this is the context that we must read. What is old is passing away. Because Yeshua, the greater covenant, remember at Passover before he died, said this is the blood of the new covenant. It is a greater covenant. It is not the Aaronic priesthood. There is a merging of king and priest who Yeshua is. 
Here's a question for you. Who else does the Bible say is both king and priest? Well, we already spoke about Yeshua. Who else does it say is king and priest? Val is pointing to them. It's you. Revelation says he has made us kings and priests. Says that twice in Revelation. Peter in his book says you are a a, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. So what's the answer? Who's the priest? Is Yeshua the priest or are you the priest? Yes is the answer. Yes is the answer. Which is why it is so important to understand who the priest is and why the Torah and the Old Testament, the Tanakh, and understanding the Jewish roots of this faith is so important. Because if Yeshua is priest and we are priest, doesn't it make sense to find out who the priest is and what he does and what his function is? Or else we'll put our own interpretation to it and we'll think maybe Catholic priest or something like that. So the Old Testament, the Tanakh, it illuminates correctly the New Testament. The Tanakh illuminates the New Testament. Do you understand that? It's like there's a a children's story, which I love. And it's called The Five Blind Men and the Elephant. Does anybody know that story? So there are five blind men who approach blindly, obviously, an elephant. And one, one of the men grabs hold of the elephant's tail and says, the elephant is a rope. And then another blind man approaches the elephant and, and touches the tusk and says, it's a spear. And another one approaches and hugs the leg and says, it's a tree. And another one approaches the, and touches the ear and says, this is a fan. And then the fifth one approaches and he touches the, the trunk And he says, it's a hose. This is what reading the New Testament is without understanding our Jewish roots. We see it in part. The Old Testament, the Tanakh, flips on the light switch. So you could say, ah, it's an elephant. I see all the pieces now. So this is why it's important to study these things and to understand our Jewish roots But don't think for a second, they're like, oh, great, now I'm coming to the right congregation, Mishkan David. I'll tell you, we don't know nothing here. Don't think that, okay, this is great, now I'm at the really great congregation. We don't know squat. We don't know jack. That's reality. As much as we want to learn about Adonai, it's still this small little bit of him because he's infinite. So let's not get wise to the point of being cocky about it. Right? We don't know nothing here. Okay, so what is the priest? I could talk forever about who and what the priest is and how that relates to Yeshua, our king and priest, and how it relates to us as a nation of priests. Do you know that there is a prophecy in Torah itself that says you are a nation of priests? That is fulfilled in Messiah. He is the high priest and he lives within you. That's why you become a priest. And I could talk forever about the details of the high priest, the Kohen. 
Kohen is the Hebrew word for priest. Do you know any Jewish people with the last name Cohen? That's because they're descendants of the priests. I mean, there's some famous people, either Leonard Cohen. Okay, Sasha Baron Cohen, he played Borat. Don't watch that movie, even though I thought it was hysterical. Guilty pleasure. So those are the descendants of priests. That's why their last name is Cohen. That's the Hebrew word for priest. So what is the priest? Again, I could talk forever about all its functions. I will say this. The priest had access to God that no one else had. They had access to God that the population did not. Now everybody can pray. God hears the prayers of everybody. A sparrow falls in the wilderness. He sees it. He knows that counts our hairs on our heads, even though mine is becoming less and less. He still knows the exact number Everybody can have a relationship with God, but the high priest has a special relationship with God, has special access to who he is. That's you that have Yeshua within you, that has accepted Yeshua. You become a priest. Not everybody has that access. You, as a believer in faith, in the one high priest Yeshua, have access that others don't. That's reality. That's the role of the priest. But why do they have that access? It's not just for intimacy. Yes, they go into the holy place and they offer up prayers and there is prayers like incense going up from the holy place that only they can, they, they can burn. That only they can offer up. And that's what the priest does. It offers, offers up. Last week we spoke about the Mishkan being divinity coming down. It's God, godliness and God himself making his abode on earth. This divinity coming to earth. The priests take the earth and lift it up to God. The Mishkan is God coming down. The priests take what's down, the, the earthly, and lift it up to God. Offer it to God. It is a unique role for all of us. But what do they do with that access? It's not for them. It's not just for their intimacy or their prayer life. It's to make atonement for others. And you as a priest have divine authority to forgive. Divine authority to forgive. Who said that? Yeshua did. He blew his breath, his spirit on the people, it says in the book of John, and said what you forgive is forgiven. The sins that you withhold, you retain, are retained. Do you understand that power? We take that flippantly. We all take that flippantly. But we have divine ability, divine authority from God as priests to say to people, you are forgiven and it is enacted in heaven. People can come to you with their sacrifice and that's what the priests did. They, they, you know, people brought their, you know, their bulls and their offerings and, and the priests checked it out for authenticity. Yep, there's no, no blemish here. Yep, perfect age, one year old, it's perfect. Forgiven. You are forgiven. What's bound on earth will be bound in heaven. What's loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. And that is because you are a priest. You have the divine ability to forgive sins as a priest. 
It's not just for intimacy. The people said to Yeshua, only God has the ability to forgive sins. He says, I give you the ability to forgive sins. Why is that? Because another thing that is missed so much in the body of Messiah is what John said. He said, as he is, so are we in this world. Yeshua said, the glory you give to me, Father, I give to them. Greater things you will do. He is a priest and forgives. We are priests. We have the divine right to forgive sins. The priests are called out. They are kadosh la'adonai. They are holy unto the Lord. They are called out. They are, they're part of the population, but they're not. Do you know that the priests don't inherit land in Israel? All of the tribes get the get portions of land in the distribution of land. The priests get no land. Hello, in the world, but not of the world. Why does it say that? Because you're a priest. You don't get nothing down here. Sorry. Why does Paul say you don't have an earthly inheritance? You have a heavenly inheritance. Why? Because you're a priest. And it says of the priest that God is their inheritance. They don't get the land. The priests are the ones that give the blessing, the ironic blessing, the, 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 the brachat kohanim, the blessings of the priests. Now, I give that at the end of every service. Everybody know what I'm talking about? The, the priestly blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. I can't tell you how many people come to me and say, you know, when you give that blessing, I feel the anointing. Especially when you turn towards me, I feel it. Great. I'm not doubting that the anointing is there. It's there. But it's not because I'm a rabbi. It's because the priest lives in me. You all have that anointing. That's not a rabbinic anointing. It is a priestly anointing. It is the berchat kohanim, the blessing of the priest. You are priests. You that have Yeshua, the high priest, living inside of you. And it says of that, of that verse, it says of that prayer, it says, you know what you're doing? It says you're putting the name of God on people. That's what it says. When you speak that blessing, you're putting God's name on the people. Who has the name of God on them? It's the priests. Because they have the headband that says, Kadosh yud hey vav hey. And now the priest gets to put the name of God on the people. prophetically speaking out, you know, I'm not a gifted evangelist, but I can speak God's name over people. People come to me and ask me very good questions. Rabbi, why don't the Jewish people or why don't the people give sacrifices anymore? Why don't they do it? Right? Okay, they don't believe in Yeshua, so they don't, have, they don't believe in that, so they're still believing in all of the Torah. Why don't they give sacrifices? It says because that can only happen where God puts his name It says in Torah that can only happen where his name is. The priest has his name on his forehead. They're the ones that operate the tabernacle, which means that wherever the tabernacle is and only where it is, that's where you could do the sacrifices. You can't do it anywhere else. 
This is why that King David, when he, when he had the vision to build the temple, and Solomon built the temple, Solomon said that it was God's will for his name to dwell in Jerusalem forever. So therefore, that's why the temple was built there. So now sacrifices could be built there because that's where God's name is. So now we as priests, we got the ability to put the name of God on people. Which means that the, that the sacrifice could happen anywhere. Because you are priests. Oh my God, I'm going crazy. All right, this is too much. All right, this, in this Torah portion, we learn a little bit, and again, I could talk forever about the priests, but we'll go portion by portion. Maybe Adonai will give us revelation as we continue to go across the Torah, through the Torah, on different roles of the priest. In this Torah portion, it speaks about the dress of the priest, what he wore. And even in the, the dressing of the priest, what the priest wore, his garments, there is revelation about who Yeshua is as priest and who you are as priest. It starts with the ephod. The ephod. From what I understand, it's like kind of like an apron, but it has a shoulder piece, and on the shoulders it has two stones, one on each shoulder, and engraved on the, on the shoulder, on the stones in the shoulder, are the tribes of Israel. So they can be brought before the Lord for remembrance. You, as a priest, have the divine ability to bring Israel into that special place with the Lord so he will remember Israel. You, one of your roles as priests is to have Israel on your shoulders like a burden, so you're keeping them in prayer and you're bringing them before the Lord when you go before the Lord. That is your divine role as a priest. To bring them before the Lord for remembrance continually. Interestingly, if you do a word study on the ephod, it's always worn all throughout the Tanakh. It's always worn by the priest, except for one instance. King David wore it when he built his little tent with the ark in it and danced around, prophetically combining king and priest. What's the next thing? It has a breastplate of judgment. Guess what's on the breastplate? Twelve stones. Guess what's on the twelve stones? Israel, again, to keep it close to the priest's heart. And again it says, so they could bring the tribes of Israel before the Lord when they enter the tabernacle for remembrance. your role as a priest. Within the breastplate, there's these things called the urim and the thumim. Or as we say in English, the urim and the thurim. Anybody hear of that or remember it from scripture? It's, the, it's almost like this divine magic eight ball because God uses certain things if we don't know what we're doing. That's why we see people drawing straws and it's a divine thing because they trust Adonai is going to make his will known through that. The priest had this thing because it was, it was a prophetic thing that they knew the way. 
That if people had prayed, which way do I go? Do I turn left? Do I turn right? We see King David, when he was going to war, he would go to the priest and say, which, do I attack? Do I not attack? Do I, do I stay back? Do I go forward? Do I turn left? Do I turn right? He says these things. How did he do it? He consulted the priest. Because the priest had the Urim and the Thurim, the Urim and the Thurim, and they, he knew God's divine answer to things. The yeses and the noes from God. You have that through his spirit. That is a prophetic thing that the priest knows the will of God. You have that uniquely if you have Yeshua within you. You have that uniquely to know God's will and to judge in righteousness. Justice. It is it's so important to Adonai to institute a to institute justice because the world will just make things very unjust. The rich get away with things, the poor don't. But the priest has a breastplate of judgment with God's will, the Urim and the Thurim in it, so they could judge rightly. Nothing to do with wealth, nothing to do with your background. This is so important to God, and it's your role as a priest to judge with justice, divine justice. What else does it have? It's got the underpants of, of linen. Why does it have linen underpants? It's just kind of funny if you say it like underpants. The breeches, it's the undergarment. Why is linen? Because linen represents purity. That's Yeshua within you, who's, who's underneath, who's, you can't see that garment. That's Yeshua, he's within you, and he's the pure one within you. The outer robe is blue. That represents heaven. You are clothed with heavenly things. Interesting thing it says about the robe. It says, create an opening for the head. Well, no, duh. Why would it have to give specific instructions to make room to make opening for the head? Isn't that a no-brainer? It's a robe, not a sheet. Why does it say that? Because Yeshua is the head. And even though we are the high priest, make room for his headship. You put on the robe, but you got to make room for the head. Do you understand? Yeshua is the head. And finally, like was spoken about, it says that there's a, a, a head plate on them that says Kadosh Adonai. Oh, before I go there, at the bottom of the robe... There are pomegranates. The pomegranates represent Torah. There's a tradition that there are 613 seeds in a pomegranate. It's tradition. It's not exact count. It's tradition. It represents Torah. You are clothed with Torah. Also on the bottom of the, of the robe, the blue robe, are bells. It says that it will ring as, as the priest goes in and out. Why are there bells on the bottom of the robe? I have no idea. Like I said, we don't, nothing, we don't know nothing around here. But there is a verse in Zechariah, it says, In that day, even the bells of the horses will be kadosh la Adonai, Holy unto the Lord, the same word that's used for the priest. Unkosher animals are very often used to describe people of the nations that don't yet know Messiah. 
So when it says even the bells on the horses, it means the people from the nations that are coming in will be kadosh la'adonai, another prophecy that everybody's going to be priest. Thank you, Adonai, for your word. Thank you, Adonai, for revealing what you do. Thank you, Adonai, for illuminating your reality of who you are, but who we are in you. We are priests of God, priests of El Elyon, in the order of Melchizedek, king and priest. Father, help us to enact this in our lives. Father, help us to understand what our priestly duty is wherever we go, in our homes, as husbands, as wives, everybody. Help us to understand what our role is as a priest. Help us to leave room in our robes for the head. Help us to know that you have put kadosh la'adonai on our, on our heads, that we are holy to the Lord. Help us, Adonai, to remember to carry Israel on our shoulders and on our heart as we come into the holy place to be with you. Always to bring them to remembrance, as it says. That is our role as priest. Help us to remember them always, Adonai. Thank you for your revelation, Lord God. We love you. We love you. In Yeshua's name, amen.